episode of Word on the Street. My name is Alyssa, and this is my co-host, Oma, and we're going to get you started on the second episode. Oma, what's this uh, episode about? Today, we will be talking a little bit about cultural appropriation, especially considering Halloween is coming up, everyone's dressing up, trying to have a good time, but also, you know, it is important to be a little bit socially responsible in terms of what you are wearing, um, especially when it comes to other people's traditions, stuff like that. And then we also have a little bit of folklore from around the world. Again, it is spooky season, so we love to see it. Yeah. Yes, love that. So to kick us off, I would like to just tell you about some uh, events coming up for the RRC. On Friday, October 29th, from 6 to 8 p.m. in the California Mission Room or on Zoom, we will be holding a Founders Panel. Um, honestly, it's just going to be a little bit of a Q&A, a little bit of a talk back with some of the people who originally founded the Rainbow Resource Center, um, which for anyone who doesn't know, that's our queer and LGBTQ resource center space. Honestly, it's open for everyone to come in. Um, and so I personally, you know, as someone who's working at the RRC this year, I'm personally grateful to the founders and I'm very, very excited to get to talk with them, you know, ask a little bit of questions, see how much has changed uh, in the last 10 years, because it is for our 10th anniversary celebration. Very exciting. The big 10, love that. Um, so that event is actually, you have to RSVP. The RSVP deadline is Wednesday, October 27th at 11.59 p.m. If you are looking to RSVP, leave a link to it down in the description <laughs> down below. Uh, next up, that entire weekend is going to be very busy is uh, that Saturday, Saturday, October 30th at 7 p.m. We will be showing Rocky Horror Picture Show at 7 p.m. Yes. yes, love that movie. I think I've seen it like maybe four or five times. I, it's definitely, so I will say that the movie, I think it's definitely better if you come to it having watched it before because... Um, I, I feel like that's part of the fun. For anyone who doesn't know, Rocky Horror is uh, kind of a cult classic movie um, that has a lot of spooky vibes. It has like Frankenstein themes, um, but then also it has been seen to be a very queer movie. One like It's a very fun movie, but I will say your first time watching it, you're going to be confused. So I definitely recommend anyone who's going to the showing um, having had watched it at least once before. Yeah, probably give it a watch maybe at least once. Or yeah. if you just want to come and hang out and get weird, yes, that's oh perfect gosh. too. Like, just come hang the out. Uh, once again, that is another RSVP event. Please uh, check the description down below, and I will definitely leave a link as with the Founders panel. Lastly, on actual Halloween, our actual anniversary, yes. uh, we will be hosting a Halloween costume contest slash party. Uh, from 2 to 4 p.m. in the California Mission Room. Uh, to enter the contest, there is a Google form that I will also leave down below, which will also bring us into uh, cultural appropriation and dressing up. dressing up and how common it is for people to, not one, not realize, and two, just betray people. Like, mm -hmm. that harmful stereotype such as the common one is dressing as a Native American with a headdress yes. is still baffles me that people I, don't see a problem with that. That's literally just like blatant, you know, taking someone's cultural dressing and like
know, traditional dressings and just, like, haha, silly, like, yeah. fun times when it's, like, a lot of times those, you know, the, the headdress and, and everything, just, like, the whole getup was meant to be used for, like, more serious ceremonies. Yeah. So it's very, very alarming that people still think, like, I, I think you mentioned it, that's one of the biggest ones that people still think it's okay to just randomly go around it. Yeah, and part of why they think that's okay, not to go into a little bit of my microcephalo class because I just read <laughs> this chapter, but uh, they make up for about 2% of the population and stereotype churches mm-hmm. dressing up as a Native American for Halloween or mascots that we still see in football and baseball and different sports arenas. And even in schools, I know my high school, one of the high schools in my hometown really? still is... It was originally the R word, and now mm. they have translated to the tribe, which I don't get how they don't see it still an issue. That's very it didn't change. extremely, yeah. yeah. But yes, yeah, so uh, if you have any questions about cultural appropriation, or if you want to know, is this maybe not like the best mm-hmm. costume that I can be doing? Uh, feel free to reach out to the RRC or uh, reach out to me or Omar, and we can give you resources to figure out. Maybe why or why not that's not okay. Absolutely. And I will, I, I just really want to add that <laughs> in this crazy world of capitalism that we live in, um, a lot of the companies and the stores that make and sell the costumes really don't make it easy. Because they are the ones that also continue to consistently make and sell a lot of these costumes. And they also like try to rebrand it as different things. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, there was one costume I saw recently where it was, like, the whole getup was just, like, a big, big taco, and then it had a sombrero, um, which, like, a taco is fine. It's food. Like, yeah. it, like it's, it's a cultural food, sure, but, like, it's food. The problem then comes when you completely associate it with Mexican culture, because sombreros are more traditionally in Mexico, not the rest of Latin America. No. So it's, like... That, that just becomes a problem. So it's like, definitely have to acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of companies that also need to make a lot of changes when it comes to what costumes they decide to make and which ones they decide to advertise, to push onto people, how they brand it, a lot of stuff like that. So it's wild. It's a crazy time. <laughs> yeah, if the question comes to mind, is this appropriate? It's probably not. If you're questioning it, will it it's not. definitely not. No. Uh, but like I said, if you have questions or concerns, please reach out to the uh, Rainbow Resource Center, the Office for Multicultural Learning, and we will give you resources and explain what the issue is, or maybe there isn't an issue. But more than likely, if you're questioning it, there's probably an issue with it. Now that we got all of the scary and all the serious topics out of the way, I want to jump into different folklore and kind of brighten this episode back up. Yes. Okay, so, Omar, do you know what a Selkie is? I am not fully aware. What is a Selkie, my friend? So, I I brought this up in the last episode. I am mixed with Portuguese, Irish, and Mexican. Um, and Selkie was actually something that my mom had found. It is Irish folklore, also mixed with a little bit of Scottish folklore. Um, the Selkie, also called Sea People... The Sea People, or the Mermaid, is a marine legend that tells people of a half-fish, half-human. In the water, they are seals, but on land, 
They shed their skin and take on human form, and for that reason they are irresistible to ordinary humans, who are apt to fall in love with this little creature. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm, I can interesting twist on mermaids right there. Exactly, and it's more of like they're half, it's like a mermaid, they're half uh, seal and half person mm-hmm. rather than half fish. Absolutely. Um, however, this is actually something that me and my mom at one point in our lives wanted to get selfies tattooed on us. Oh. If y'all can't see, I do have a bunch of tattoos everywhere. <laughs> uh, most are covered by my sleeves right now, but this is definitely is something that is really interesting to me. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. So, this is the story of an Irish Selfie. There are many famous stories that revolve around Selfies in Ireland. One particular one is that of Thady Rua O'Dodd, a clan chieftain who was tasked with finding himself a bride upon rising to clan leadership. Apparently, choosing a wife was more difficult than he realized, and he had not made up his mind. Out walking on the beach to clear his head, Thady stumbled upon a beautiful maiden combing her hair. Though clothed, she had a magical cape or coat next to her. Of course, all in Ireland... All in Ireland knew of the pe- the sea people, the Selkies, and Thaddy was no different. That's why I love him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Thaddy. <laughs> he quickly snatched up her Selkie coat and tied it away, professing his love at first sight for her. Without her fish tail, the Selkie called Eve had no choice but to return to his love and marry him. Together they ruled the land and raised their seven children, but Eve always longed for the sea. Legend has it that though the selfie cloak was well hidden, one of their children spotted Thaddy checking on it and told his mother of the bag of gold. When Thaddy was away from home, Eve checked the spot her child had told her about, and lo and behold, her fishtail. With the return of the fishtail, Eve could not resist the temptation of the sea, and so she left back to the ocean with her children, but she could not take all of them, and instead took five of them into rocks swimming off into the waves with the remaining children in each arm. Wow. Yeah. That's the story of the selfie. Interesting. Or at least one of them. Yeah. But this yeah. This is fascinating. Kind of his little origin right there. I know. I think it's such a cool spin on, because we see mermaids all the time. Yeah. And I think mermaids have been made to grow their common Greek mythology and, like, seem to be, like, extremely gorgeous and beautiful. Mm-hmm. This kind of puts a spin on it where, like, they can, selfies can be humans and yeah. create families, but that love for the water, retrieving their tail, like, kind of, to me, makes it seem like, look, you can take away a piece of me, but I'm always going to return back to what I love, no matter what happens. Yeah. I love that. that. That's a good message to that story. Yes, I love yeah. it. Yeah. And I hate to kind of have to switch it around because I've got one that's maybe not so uh, warm and fuzzy. (laughs) Um, You were kind of talking a little bit about heritage. Mm -hmm. um, And I know, like, number one, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month has ended uh, last week. But we do have Dia de los Muertos coming up um, literally the day right after Halloween. So it's like we, we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge at least one of them. Um, and I really want to talk about, I, I think this is by far the most known folktale um, of La Llorona. Um, I, yes, oh my gosh, it even sounds just like, ooh, you know, it gives you, gives you the chills. Um, 
But yeah, basically for anyone who is not familiar, uh, La Llorona, also known as, uh, what would be the good English translation? The Wailer? The Crier? What do, what do you think would be good? The Crier. Yeah, The Crier would probably be a more accurate translation. But uh, it is essentially um, a folklore that originated in the 1500s in Mexico City, but has since, you know, kind of spread to a lot of Latin America in general, um, and because of that, there's so many different versions. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, the the folklore is just like at random times of night, um, if you're walking down like a like really deserted road and you're kind of far away from a lot of people, you see this woman wearing white and just crying and wailing out for her children and. In a lot of cases, what happens is like she would walk to um, a river, a lake, a body of water, and sink into the water, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of it. Um, and it's really fascinating because, like, of course, there you know, in, in other cultures, there's always like this woman in white, and you know, lots of other folk tales. But in this one, it's really fascinating because, and I, I found like a good written out version of the story. I'll, I'll read it here. Um, Yeah, so Mexico City itself, La Llorona's legend, is still pretty related and relevant. She was a pretty but humble maiden named Luisa, with whom a rich man of high society fell in love with. He did not marry her, but according to custom, furnished her a casita, or a little love nest, where they were happy for many years. Her friends visited and respected her, and they had three children together. Finally, his his family prevailed upon him to marry a girl of his own class. He told Luisa that he was going to marry, and she made a scene. She stopped, he stopped visiting her, and finally, she was an uninvited guest at his wedding in a big cathedral. When she came home, she was maddened with grief and sent a dagger into the tender bodies of each of her children, one after the other. Then, horror-stricken, she ran wildly through the streets, calling out for her little ones, sending terror into the hearts of all who heard her. So that, like, knowing that backstory, you know, there's murder involved, there's some adultery, there's some cheating, there's just, oh, lots of stuff. And it's really interesting because that, again, it's just one version. In another version, she she doesn't stab her kids, she drowns them. That was the one. And then, yeah, so that's the one I had grown up with as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she also drowned herself, and that's how she kind of became this ghost or this spirit. Um... But honestly, that's that's like one of my favorite ones, and I can understand why it's so common and why it's so popular, because mm-hmm. it's like it's a short and simple story, but it's like there's a lot going on there, For you sure. know. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love that story. And it's one of my my favorite folklore stories. Definitely one of the most popular ones. I know there was a movie written about it very mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. I never watched it. I was concerned that. Yeah, a lot, because I think that one was, like, part of the the Conjuring series, which, like, based on true events, that's that's not a good omen. (laughs) Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, And now, not to stray away again, but we do have another uh, folklore from the island of Curitiba, which is where my Portuguese side comes from. So, this is in the Azorian story. It is called The Haunted House of Cotelia. Also, I am Portuguese. I took Portuguese in high school, but if my accent is a little bit off, please forgive me. 
I'm also mixed, <laughs> so there's a lot of things that I lost in some ways. Okay. In the village of the Arites in San Miguel, once lived a poor but worthy a poor but worthy couple. In order to better their circumstances, they migrated to the island of Tercela and there lived in a call in a cottage while the man worked in the fields. Nearby was a large house which was uninhabited and believed to be haunted. The old couple, not afraid, and asked the owner to let them take their abode there, to which he agreed. When the neighbors asked them if they had seen any ghosts, they always said that they had not, but they were disturbed by rats very often. One night, the old woman was kneading dough after midnight. Her husband and her children had gone to bed. While she was waiting for the even to rise, Suddenly, a small door she had never noticed opened, and a man in a long black garment came in and sat by the, knee, uh, by the kneading dough, on which his eyes fixed without saying a word. The woman, feeling pity for him, when she was made the loaves, made one more. When she told him what one would be for him, and then put them inside the oven. While they were baking, he said, at last, I found one kind person on earth. Now bring the lamp and your husband's hoe and follow me. She did so and followed him silently. When they got to the first landing on the stairs and tried her courage, she turned around and blew out her lamp. But nothing daunted, she went back and lit it, lit it again and returned. He led the way into an earthen cellar and pointed to the corner and said, Dig there. Whatever you find is yours. You have a good heart and this is your recompense. And now I can rest in peace in my grave. Then he disappeared. The woman fetched her husband and they dug in the spot pointed out and found an immense chest of money. They went back to St. Miguel, sold their cottage at the Arites, and then returned to Tercela and bought the haunted house for a small sum. They lived there for the rest of their lives and became wealthy people. Little ghost stories from there. Yeah. 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 I'm terrified of opening the door for anyone. Like, if people <laughs> knock, my anxiety shoots up the roof, and they just took it in stride. Like, <laughs> they're like, okay, I'm going to give you some bread. And then yeah. they're like, well, I'm going to make you wealthy. This is why I'm here. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not giving bread out to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is what we're doing wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, so for my second and final um, kind of short story, we're going over to... Japan, and this one is also a, a tiny bit, you know, more wholesome, I think, in terms of, like, where it ends up, and that is, oh boy, um, I hope I pronounce this right, the mirror of Matsuyama. Matsuyama? Matsuyama. Yes, the mirror of Matsuyama. Um, so, I, I really don't know how to introduce this, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and just read it out loud. This one is a little bit of a longer one as well. In ancient days, there lived in a remote part of Japan a man and his wife, and they were blessed with a little girl who was the pet and idol of her parents. On one occasion, the man was called away on
on business in distant Kyoto. Before he went, he told his daughter that if she were good and beautiful to her mother, he would bring her back a present she would prize very highly. Then the good man took his departure, mother and daughter watching him go. At last he returned to his home, and after his wife and child had taken care of his large hat and sandals, he sat upon the white mats and opened a bamboo basket, watching the eager gaze of his little child. He took out a wonderful doll and a lacquer box of cakes and put them into her outstretched hands. Then, once more, he, divided, he dived into his basket and presented his wife with a metal mirror. Its convex surface shone brightly, while upon its back there was a, a design of pine trees and squirrels. The good man's wife had never seen a mirror before, and on gazing into it, she was under the impression that another woman looked out upon her as she gazed with glowing wonder. Her husband, explain her husband explained the mystery and bade her take great care of the mirror. Not long after this happy homecoming and distribution of the presents, the woman became very ill, and just before she died, she called out to her little daughter and said, Dear child, when I am dead, take every care of your father. You will miss me when I have left you. But take this mirror, and when you feel most lonely, look into it, and you will always see me. Having said these words, she passed away. In due time, the man married again, and his wife was not at all kind to her stepdaughter. But the little one, remembering her mother's words, would retire to a corner and eagerly look into the mirror, where it seemed to her that she saw her dear mother's face, not drawn in pain as she had seen it on her deathbed, but young and beautiful. One day, this child's stepmother chanced to see her crouching in the corner over an object she could not quite see, murmuring to herself. This ignorant woman, who detested the child and believed that her stepdaughter trusted her in return, fancied that this little one was performing some kind of strange magical art, perhaps making an image and sticking pins into it. Full of these notions, the stepmother went to her husband and told him that his wicked child was doing her best to kill her by witchcraft. When the master of the house had listened to this extraordinary recital, he went straight into his daughter's room. He took her by surprise, and immediately the girl saw him. Uh, the girl saw him. She slipped the mirror into her sleeve. For the first time, her doting father grew angry and feared that there was, after all, some truth in what his wife had told him, and he repeated her tale forthwith. When his daughter heard the unjust accusation, she was amazed at her father's words. And she told him that she loved him far too well to even attempt or wish to kill his wife, who she knew was dear to him. What have you hidden in your sleeve, said her father, only half convinced and still very puzzled. The mirror you gave my mother, which she on her deathbed gave to me. Every time I look onto its shining surface, I see the face of my dear mother, young and beautiful. When my heart aches, and oh, it has ached too much lately, I take out the mirror, and my mother's face with sweet, kind smile, brings me peace and helps me to bear hard words and cross looks. Uh, then the man understood and loved his child the more for her honesty. Even the girl's stepmother, when she knew what had really taken place, was ashamed and asked forgiveness. And this child, who believed she had seen her mother's face in the mirror, forgave, and trouble forever departed from the home. Oh. So that's a cute little story. I really, really enjoyed. <laughs> that's just like really, really sweet. I that's never, very I sweet. I've never seen it. <laughs> I know it really like.
punch at the heartstrings. And of course, you know, that one's not as spooky. There's not really any, you know, ghosts or spiritual mm. elements, but I still like it. You know, it's still Japanese folklore, and I, um, yeah, I just really enjoy seeing that that little tale. Mm. I'll have to say, I really like them too. I feel like, you know what that reminds me of? In mm. um, the second book of Harry Potter, oh. when... Uh, he looks in the mirror and he thinks it's Dumbledore, but it's Appledore. But it's, yeah, it's, it's Dumbledore's brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, that was like that sort of comfort mm-hmm. that he got from that. Like, I think that would also be a connective. I'm scared of trees. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I was raised to believe, I watched a lot of scary movies mm-hmm. that spirits live in mirrors. Yeah. So, in my head, I'm like, yeah, the spirit of my mom is probably in that Yeah, mirror. no, and that I, is like, I think for a long time, like, after mirrors were created, a lot of people are just confused because they they've never seen a reflection other than like in water or just other mm-hmm. reflective surfaces. So then to like come out with this item that is specifically designed to reflect yourself, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of regions of the world probably had superstitions that like you know a piece of your soul or a piece of your spirit was kind of maybe trapped, maybe kept safe in a mm-hmm. mirror. So it's very interesting to think about. Yeah, and how that's translated yeah. over to different cultures as mm-hmm. well. But yeah. yeah. Well, these have been very interesting little tales. I've enjoyed this is these a, stories. Yeah, this has been a little bit of a shorter episode than last time, but it just wanted something, or we just wanted something a little bit more lighthearted and to get into the vibes of spooky season, just mm-hmm. letting, where you just sit around and listen to a story and I think that's beautiful yeah and thank you Anissa for for recommending this to me when you said hey let's do folk tales (laughs) I got very excited (laughs) and again like my first thought because you know it's huge La Llorona Mm -hmm. um that was the first thing my my mind went to so yeah yeah for sure Thank you, Omar, for joining me on this episode of Board on the Street. Of course, you join me for everyone because you are my co-host. Absolutely. <laughs> you don't get a choice. I am here whether I like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. yes. Thank you all for uh, listening in for this episode. Uh, just a reminder that there's a lot of stuff coming up next weekend for uh, our city and our 10th anniversary. There is the Founders Panel on Friday, October 29th. Rocky Horror Picture Show on Saturday, uh, October 30th, and a Halloween costume contest slash party on October 31st, aka Halloween Ishes. I have one more thing I want to see. And also, a quick reminder for these events, um, if you could RSVP for uh, as many of them as possible, we'd love to get a number um, of how many to expect. Um, It helps us, you know, in terms of finding out what spaces we should use and a lot of stuff like that. So please, please, please do RSVP if you can make it. Um, yeah, and then, if, if you don't mind me saying, follow us on, on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, both as uh, the OML, the Office of Multicultural Learning, and the RRC, the Rainbow Resource Center. Kind of goes hand in hand, but yes, please follow us. That's where we get a lot of our information out there. Yes, exactly. And also continue to follow us on Spotify, Word on the Street, and OML and RRC Podcast, as well as listen to our playlist that our lovely boss, Brunel, has created a ton of them uh, at CSU OML on Spotify. Uh, And also, if you're here, depending on where you're hearing this from, uh, check out our YouTube channel. 
at CSU Office for Multicultural Learning ranking via visual of this podcast if you're not already watching it or head to Spotify to listen to it. Yeah. Anything else that we can end this with? I think that's all, basically. Yeah. Shameless plugs. Follow us on everything. Yes. On yes. The <laughs> uh, this has been A Word on the Street, Episode 2. Thank you all for watching, and come back soon. We'll see you all around. Bye.